0: Welcome and thank you for tuning into this week's life-changing message from The Equipping Church. We pray you are empowered and encouraged by the Word of God. We lift up our voice to you this morning to declare that you're worthy. Be enthroned upon the praises of your people. That's what your Word says, God. That you are enthroned upon the praises of your people. Father, let our praise create a throne in this atmosphere this morning. Father, we thank you that in your your presence is the fullness of joy. That in your presence there is joy unending. And Father, this morning we thank you that you're breaking depression off of people. You're breaking oppression off of people. You're setting people free in your presence this morning. Because that's who you are, God. God. You are the God of freedom. It is for freedom that you set us free. And so, Father, we lift up our voice to you this morning to declare that you are worthy. To declare that you are worthy. There is no one like you. There is no one like you, God. There is no one like you. And so, Father, we ask this morning that your presence would fill this house That your word would go forth in power. That your word would set the captives free this morning. And that, Father, when we leave this place today, that it would be your presence and your power that we could testify of. Because it is your presence that sets us free. It's your power that transforms us. It is you who takes us from glory to glory. We give you honor and we give you praise and we give you worship this morning, King Jesus. And we say this morning that it is your anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage. And so we pray this morning that when I pull my hands back this morning, God, it would be your touch that is left behind. We pray this morning, Father, for an anointing that makes preaching easy and that I might declare your word not just in, 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 in flattering speech, as Paul said. Not just in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstrations of power. That your anointing would be what's evident this morning. I thank you, Father, for your presence in this house this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen and amen. Amen and amen. You can be seated in His presence this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Now, somebody pray that the demons get out of the sound system. We cannot figure out what that buzz is this morning. So, we just pray it goes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Isn't it good to be with people who love Jesus this morning? Hallelujah. I know there are many out this morning sick. I keep getting texts, and so... Uh, let's just pray this morning for the healing touch to go across the live stream. Amen, amen. Well, we finished up our series uh, two weeks ago. We, the church, and then last week, of course, we had Pastor Mark and Tammy with us. How many of you got a touch from God? Amen. And uh, you know, Pastor Mark really—he—he he gave us a challenge, church, to birth revival. And uh, he came to assist us in the breaking of the water. Uh, But I want to tell you this morning, I think there's a little more breaking that needs to take place, but I think we're going to birth something incredible. Amen. And uh, I want to start a series this morning. Uh, Some of you were at prayer yesterday and prayed for me to get a word from the Lord. I'd waited on the Lord all week. God, what do you want to say? And uh, I found out that I wasn't the only pastor feeling that this week. A couple of friends of mine, uh, we were exchanging notes on what are you preaching? And they said, we don't know yet. And uh, so up until last night, I didn't know. And uh, then it dropped in my spirit. And and I'm starting a series this morning called Priorities. Say priorities this morning. I want to give you the definition of priorities before we get into uh, where we're headed this morning. Priorities. The fact or condition of being regarded or treated as more important. Priorities. A thing that is regarded as more important than another. The Cambridge Dictionary defines it this way. Something that is very important and must be dealt with before other things. That's what priorities means this morning. I want you turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. and We're going to begin in verse 25 and go down to verse 34. And we're going to cover a few passages this morning. And I believe over the next several weeks that as we talk about priorities, uh, that, that I, my hope is is that we catch a revelation of the kingdom of God. Amen? Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is life not more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather crops into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more important than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single day to his lifespan? And why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor, nor do they spin thread for cloth. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith, Do not worry then, saying, What are we to eat, or what are we to drink, or what are we to wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Verse 33, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. On the surface, this can appear to be a simple and applicable statement. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of itself. Seek first the kingdom of God. I want to break down verse 33 for you for just a minute. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That word seek ye, it's, it's, it's a word together. It's the Greek word zeteo. Zeteo, it means to crave, to desire, to prioritize everything. First is the word proton, the first in rank, the, the chief thing above all. That word kingdom is the Greek word basilia. It means the right to rule to have royal power and dominion and righteousness. I want to jump down to the, ver- to the word righteousness, and I'm going to pronounce this one wrong. Dikaiosini, di- 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 the state of him who is as he ought to be. So if we are to crave and to prioritize the kingdom of God, And His righteousness. That when we seek first the kingdom, we then become a state of who we are ought to be. So many of us in our life wrestle with trying to figure out who we're to be. But if we would seek first the kingdom, we would find ourselves in a state of who we are ought to be. And in in this passage that we first read this morning it seems so simple. Oh, don't worry about tomorrow. How many of us have ever heard that phrase? Don't worry, be happy. Right? How easy is that really? When we really break it down, we find ourselves often worrying about tomorrow. In, in our current economy, in our cur- current political atmosphere, there can be so many opportunities to worry. So many opportunities to get stressed out about tomorrow. But Jesus issues rather a a strong statement here. He says, but seek first the kingdom. And it seems simple. But if we really consider the context, just a previous chapter, Matthew chapter 5, we find the Beatitudes, this whole new set of values to live by. And we see this series of life principles concerning character and behavior towards others. And there's issues concerning marriage and how to handle conflict. And at the end of all of these challenges of behavior and lifestyle, Jesus then speaks concerning the priority of seeking first the kingdom. He says, I'm giving you all these values to live by. I'm going to give you this whole set of of principles to live by. But at the end of it, I'm going to issue a challenge. And I'm going to challenge you to prioritize seeking first the kingdom. Because this is what will happen is that when we seek first the kingdom, it's all about a lifestyle change. It's about living our lives according to different standards, living our lives according to different principles from those around us. It is a radical adjustment. It is a radical adjustment. It is something that flips our whole world upside down. The kingdom is really about spheres of rulership. When we really begin to understand the kingdom, it's about spheres of rulership. And prior to Christ, the only rulership we had was self. Prior to Christ, it's all about me, right? It's it's all about me right here. And in society today, everything is about personal rights. My right to kill my baby. I'm going to hit it hard this morning. My right to choose how I want to live. My right. It's all about my right. It's about my right. It's about my right. And and there was a time in in our country where maybe it mattered a little bit about our neighbor. Maybe a little bit. There there was a time in in yesteryear, maybe a few decades ago, where there was consideration about the neighbor. Man, Greg, can you just kill my monitors? This, This buzz is killing me up here. I mean, it is like vibrating the stage. Command the demon of buzzing to go. I don't even need monitors. We can just get rid of them. And so in this idea of of personal rights, we have found over the years that it's become so center-focused and isolated that we want to isolate ourselves from community. My goodness, I'm ready to preach without a microphone this morning. Go old school. Be like John Wesley. Just find a little hole in the in the room to. It, it's that one. It's both of them. Wow. Is that better though? Okay. Good. Can you hear me? Hallelujah. All right. Don't even worry about this. Leave it off. Just leave it off. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Oh, I can think again. I'm sitting here looking at my notes going, they're vibrating. Hallelujah. Should I start up? No, I'm just kidding. All right. Hallelujah. Lord, let the anointing fall this morning. So in this place that, that we find ourselves in, in our current situation, in, in our uh, society, we find that there, it's all about the isolation of self. It's all about the priority of me, myself, and I. Not about my neighbor. I mean, the rise of, and, and sorry Karen Lauser, but the rise of Karens, right? Who demand their person, give me a manager. And it's often unfounded. They, they have no reason to complain. They just think that society owes them something. And so Jesus radically confronts selfishness. He radically confronts self-centeredness, living for self-advancement. And the result is this, that the kingdom of God thinking gives to us this radical change of lifestyle, this refocusing of priorities, uh, concerns for others around us, and primarily a vision to live for. Seek first the kingdom of God. Crave. Chiefly, above all other things, the rule and dominion of God himself and his righteousness that you might come into the state that you ought to be. And when we do that, it flips everything upside down. I want to look at another passage, Mark chapter 4, verse 9. I'm reading out of the King James here. And he said unto them, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, that they, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said it to them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that, were ther- that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing, they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins be forgiven them. Here is the issue to realize that uh, revolving around the kingdom of God teaching is this issue of mystery. That Jesus comes and he begins to speak in parables to the people around him because he spends the bulk of his teaching unfolding this mystery. A mystery is about hidden knowledge, knowledge only for a limited group of people. That this mystery that he begins to teach about suggests that there is something more to search out. That he issues a challenge. He says, I'm going to unfold the mystery of the kingdom of God to you, but you must seek it out. He doesn't just lay it all out right in front of us. He says, I'm going to give you a challenge. Seek first the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is a mystery to your carnal mind. And so he spends the bulk of his teaching unfolding this mystery. And he does primarily through what are often called the kingdom parables. And so to understand the role and operation of the kingdom, I want to give you two scriptures. Matthew 12, 28 says this, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. And then in Luke 17, verse 20, he says, And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo, here or lo, there. For behold, the kingdom of God is what? Within you. And so kingdom principles... For a believer are revealed in two concepts. Here's the first one. The kingdom of God is in us. He says, it shall not come here or there, but rather the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus no longer dwells. The, the, the Godhead no longer dwells in buildings made by man. But he chose to make you his tabernacle. He once was in a box And then he got out of the box to get into you. It used to be that when you touched the box, you died. But now you are the box that carries the kingdom of God. It used to be that when you touched the leper, you got leprosy. But now you touch the leper and the leper gets healed because the kingdom of God is within you and it's longing to get out of you. But this is the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so this kingdom that is unshakable first and foremost is in us. The second principle that you need to understand is the kingdom of God. It's about invasion. Removing evil forces with righteous rule. I want to give you an illustration. Years ago when I was in my master's program and I was studying psychology. One of the books that I read was called Once a Warrior King by David Donovan. And it was a a memoir of an officer in Vietnam during the war. And it was his story of what he experienced during that time. I mean, it's a rather telling book. But there was something that really stood out to me. See, Vietnam was being invaded by the Viet Cong, communists, not by huge armies crossing borders. It wasn't these huge armies of North Vietnam and Cambodia, but by small groups of militia infiltrating villages and communities and gradually taking control. And the Americans, to counteract this, divided up the country into sections or districts where small groups of American soldiers built a secure base near a village with five soldiers. They trained the local Vietnamese and together would seek to ambush the Viet Cong as they attempted to cross the borders and infiltrate Vietnam. And the conditions they lived in were atrocious. I mean, heat, mud, constant danger. The pressure every day was almost unbearable, and for many it was unbearable. And the objective was to clear each district of Viet Cong, report to their senior offices, who in turn would report higher up till eventually the reports would get to the highest in command. And what they would do is they would label... These areas, and I want to read these these labels. An A rating meant that the village or hamlet had been pacified. It meant there were no Viet Cong incidents in the area during the reporting period. It was completely clear. A B rating meant the areas were essentially pacified, but with some residual Cong activity. There, There was a little bit. A C rating meant the area was contested by both the government troops and the Viet Cong. And a D rating meant complete Viet Cong control. Now in Saigon, there was this multicolored map. And on this multicolored map, it had all these ratings. And it was shown to the visiting generals and celebrities and politicians in the air-conditioned headquarters. I mean, just the beautiful, you know, just so nice and so luxurious, and all these visiting uh, politicians and these celebrities would come, and they'd look at this beautiful map, and the successes were explained in great detail. Only one problem. The Vietnamese culture was such that the Vietnamese militia wanted to save face. And so they would label all of their areas, A areas. Oh, we've conquered that area. And then, of course, the American offices out in the field also wanted to show success, that it wasn't just a waste of time. And so if they didn't, they would be replaced to a worse situation. So their district was also reported as an A district. So you have all these politicians and celebrities coming into these nice headquarters, looking at this nice map, and it's looking like a great success. But we all know the reality, right? We know history. And so deception and lies ruled while the real work of the displacing the Viet Cong continued. We need to apply this to our own life. If we apply it to our own life, we have the Viet Cong invading our lives called demonic forces, strongholds of wrong thinking and behavior. And we have a nation, a heavenly nation, seeking to take back the land seeking to invade our lives, to remove these invading forces and bring righteous rule called the kingdom of God. And we have deception and lies similarly communicating to the command center of our lives. Our hearts lie to us and say, oh, we've got all this under control. We've got an A rating in this area of our life. When often they are not. I want to look at another passage and we're going to hit it hard where we're going this morning. Luke 13, verse 20 and 21. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three sata of flour until it was all leavened. Another kingdom parable. How many of you know what this is? Active yeast, right? If you want good bread, really good fluffy bread, you're going to need this, right? You're going to need a little bit of leaven. And here in this parable... He says, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three sata of flour until it was all leavened. Leaven used as an agent to spread through the dough used to bake bread and so cause the bread to rise in the baking process. Only a little bit of leaven is required. But it has the power to influence the whole dough. So leaven is about influence. It's about change. It's about transformation. It's about changing that lifeless dough and bringing it to life. And Jesus is illustrating for us the nature of the influence of the kingdom of God. So here's your first principle. The kingdom of heaven starts from the smallest of beginnings, but has huge influence. Just a little bit of leaven. Conversely, when we look at the Jewish culture, when it comes time for Passover, they go through the house and remove all the leaven. Why? Because a little leaven can spoil the whole lot. But when we're looking at the kingdom of God this morning, what happens often in the life of a believer is they come, they pray that wonderful prayer of salvation, they surrender all, and then they stop right there. You give your life to Christ and, oh, that's it? No, 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 never. There is meant to be a complete, thorough, gradual infiltration of God's rulership and the consequences transformation of a person's life. Like leaven that changed the whole character of the dough, so it is that the kingdom of God is meant to change the character of the believer. Your priorities change. And here is the, where we encounter a problem. What is the observation when we cross the path of a, of a believer, but who over a period of time there's been no change? We see this often. A person becomes a believer, but they still retain bitterness. They still retain unforgiveness. There are still areas of sin that remain unconquered. Independence and rebellion still dominate. What do we make of this? The only conclusion that we can come to is there's still a little bit of the Viet Cong that needs to be displaced. There's still a little bit of this invading army that needs to be displaced. And the person can believe that the areas of this A territory dominate because they focus incorrectly their lives. We've got to displace the armies of the enemy from our lives because here's the second principle. The work of the kingdom is unseen. Once I mix this yeast into the flour, I don't see it anymore, but it's transforming from the inside. And I think too many of us have come and we've had an encounter with God and then we stop the transformation process. We stop and we go, well, I'm not seeing it as quickly as I want to. It takes time for that dough to rise. How many of you know you can't just put the yeast in and then stick it in the oven? There's got to be a process that takes place. And so many of us don't enjoy the process because it is a difficult process at times when we have to face the difficulties of our life, when we have to face the hurts, the wounds, the things that have happened. But I want to tell you that though unseen, it is working on the inside of you. The leaven simply doesn't work, uh, doesn't work of influence and only when the work is done is the difference seen. No, there's a process that is unseen in the kingdom of God. And if we'll allow that process to challenge us, it's challenging the inside of us to transform us into a new creation. That presents another problem. It is easy to compare ourselves with another believer thinking we are doing all right compared to them. Well, I'm not as bitter as that person. Well, I'm, I go to church three times a month. They only go twice. I check off my daily Bible reading plan, and we compare, and then uh, we go, oh, I'm doing better than them. But see, what we don't see is the inside of a person and we judge what's happening on the outside and not what's happening on the inside because in their hearts there may be a huge process of change and conviction occurring and we don't see that, but suddenly there's a change. I'll never forget one time I was preaching at a conference and I was down at the front and this woman walked up and I, I have to. She, there was hardly any clothes on her. Hardly any clothes. And I'm going, Jesus, someone get her out of the front row. Why is she up at the front? And I, I, I'm going to tell you, I was judging her in my heart. And I'm judging the leadership of the church. And I'm going, this is just awful. I can't even, I'm going to have to turn this way to just be able to pay attention. My pastor friend leaned over and he goes, isn't that beautiful worship? I said, I wanted to, are you full of lust? Like, honestly, that's what I'm thinking in that moment. because like, I can't even look over here. And he goes, just three weeks ago, she was turning tricks down on Fifth Street. And she was addicted to heroin and she came into a church service and she got instantly delivered of her drug use. Instantly, she turned away from all of it. She went and got a job. She's working to get her kids back and it's only been three weeks since she's been saved. On the outside, I could look and go, I don't see any leaven working on the inside there. But on the inside, there'd been a transformation. And I think too many times, church, we get so focused on the outside, we forget that the kingdom of God is like leaven. And it's working on the inside of us. It's changing our priorities. But I want to tell you, if you stop the process, the dough will never rise. The transformation won't ever take place. And you've got to submit to the process. The kingdom of God is like leaven. Never underestimate the unseen work of the kingdom of God in another person's life. Because here's the third principle. The kingdom of God works from the inside out. As long as the leaven was outside the dough, as long as it's still in its little package in the cupboard, it's not doing anything. But it's activated It's activated when it hits that water, when it hits that dough. There's an activation, and it is the task of Christianity to make new men and new women. And once the new are created, a new world will surely follow. It is why the church is the most important institution in the world. It is the greatest transformation place on the earth. We have all sorts of religions out there. We had one just at A&M yesterday saying the Messiah has come with his big turban and everything. And, and Pastor Susanna texted me this. She said, you know what he said? This is intriguing, y'all. He said, even if all of the Quran's on the earth were destroyed, there were at least 100,000 Muslims who had it all memorized. Just let that one sink in for a second. And here we have the hope of the world living on the inside of us. We have the greatest, greatest institution in the earth. I don't care what all those anti-church people say. I'm sorry they're hurt. I'm sorry they're wounded. The wounds are real. The hurt is real. But the church is still God's transformation agent in the earth. And it will be till He comes. I take caution with people who are always beating up His bride. Listen, church stuff happens. But we submit to the process. The fourth principle, the power of the kingdom of God comes from outside of us. We must understand that Christianity is not some self-help course to change your life. The dough has no power to change itself. I can take flour and I can stick it in the oven and it's going to be burnt flour. But when the ingredients are added to it and we, we work the dough, and I mean, we could do a whole message on the potter's wheel and, and all that happens in that process and, and kneading the dough. Kneading is not fun. I don't like to be kneaded. And yet God takes His hands and He works through us. And he, and he cuts the dough and He separates the dough and He does all those things. And if, and if you've ever had my wife's challah bread, it'll make you challah. I mean, it's just, it's braided together and it's brushed with that honey and it's so good. And the finished product is amazing. But the process to get there is indeed a process. We have no power to ultimately change ourselves. We need an invasion of an outside influence. We need the leaven. We need the kingdom of God. We can put artificial controls over our lives, but right circumstances, and we'll revert to old habit patterns. That's why modern accountability doesn't work, because I can tell you all day, hey, I'm doing good. Keep me accountable. Okay, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Oh, good, just checking on you. That's not accountability. That's not accountability. Real accountability is doing life and getting real. It's not lordship, it's partnership. So, when people say, Will you be my covering? No, I ain't big enough to be your covering. You need Jesus to be your covering. And I partner with your covering. I'm, I'm not the shepherd, I'm the under shepherd. My blood didn't cover you, His did. And when we understand those principles of how the kingdom of God. Now, now listen, listen, people get all weird about the word covering and authority and all that stuff. I believe in authority. I'm a man under authority. I believe in all of that. I believe in being in right relationship. But I think for too long we've played covering and we've played authority and we've played church networks and we've played denominations and we've played all those things all in the name of, oh, well, I'm submitted to so and so. They don't even know your wife's name. I was part of a network one time overseeing hundreds of ministers who would apply to become part of the network and then would say, So and so's my spiritual father. He ain't your father. He don't even know your name other than what's on the application and the fact that you send him $35 a month. That's not accountability. That's not the kingdom of God. That's MLM in the church. I decided years ago, I wouldn't let MLMs in the church. You know why? It destroys people. Oh, I've got the next greatest product. No, you don't. That's just repackaged. What was that big thing? Amway. It's repackaged Amway. Didn't work then, doesn't work now. And yet we do the same thing in the church. Oh, come be part of my network. Oh, come be part of this. Come be part of that. It's about relationship. That's how the kingdom of God works. All 12-step programs like AA acknowledge we need a higher power. It's not a higher power you need. You need Jesus. Not any higher power will truly bring transformation. You need Jesus. The only higher power that can bring lasting change is the most high. To change life, we need the master and creator of life. That is Jesus Christ. And the parable addresses an interesting point. It says that she hides it away in three measures of dough. Why three? Why three? Well, because we are what is called a triune being. We are the body, the soul, and the spirit. And the degree of influence God seeks to have in our lives is every aspect of our lives being influenced and ultimately taken over by the control of the kingdom of God. I'm going to start closing this morning. We're going to prepare for communion. In truth, it is de-territory, truly becoming a territory in our lives. There is, however, one important point to conclude. The invasion and influence of the kingdom of God is something we must allow and must desire to take place. We both must allow it and we both must desire it. True Christian faith is exampled in the desire to become like Christ in every aspect. We are called to be the image bearers of Jesus. I should look like Jesus. Now, at times, that means flipping over tables. But whose tables did he flip over? The religious. Who did he take a whip to? The Pharisees. Who did he call whitewashed tombs? The Pharisees. The sinner, he just said, go sin no more. Today, your sins are forgiven. But the religious who thought they had it all together, that's who he persecuted. Jesus was like, I'm going to challenge that system. And next week we're going to talk about the leaven of the Pharisee. We're going to talk about the leaven of Herod. And how those leavens seek to take out the leaven of the kingdom in your life. Priorities. Seek first. That word proton. Chiefly above all other things. The kingdom of God likened to leaven is actually a challenge to us firstly to believe for and willingly allow the influence of God's power and presence to overtake our lives. Crave, desire, prioritize, give everything you've got for the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Righteousness, the state of him who is as he ought to be. That's what righteousness is, being like Jesus. That's what you were created for, is to be in the image of the Almighty. And we've lived so substandard. We've we've preached greasy grace. Oh, just pray a prayer, that's it. No, so much more than that. It's not just pray a prayer and buy a ticket to heaven. It's about heaven coming into you. Listen, we get to go to heaven someday, and I look forward to that day. But did you know that even heaven's not for eternity? He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth, and then we live on the new earth. I mean, there's so much there. And I think we've so settled for in the sweet by and by. Someday when I get over to glory land, hallelujah, I'll fly away. Listen, I'm clipping your wings till he returns. Some of you are perched, ready for flight. And he says, occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. Let the kingdom of God invade your life and then take that kingdom and invade that life. We're going to take communion this morning. Sorry, y'all, I'm taking up for this morning. Normally it's passed, and they do such a wonderful job with communion. But I just feel led specifically to do something with communion this morning. So as the elements get passed out, if you are not a believer this morning, the Bible says that communion is reserved as the Lord's table. And it says that we must examine ourselves. We must look. Have I given lordship to Jesus? in order to partake of his body this morning. And I want to give you that opportunity. If you've never received Jesus as Lord, if you've never submitted to the leaven of the kingdom to allow God to come in and transform you, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. If you've never, never made a decision to follow Christ, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. If you're in the room or you're watching by live stream this morning and you've never made a decision to follow Christ, I'd love for you to slip up your hand right now and say, Pastor Jacob, I want to follow Jesus this morning. Anyone in the room this morning? All right, as we get ready to partake of communion this morning, I think that sometimes in the Protestant world, we undervalue communion. There's something supernatural that takes place when we take communion, it's a supernatural experience. It's not just, oh, I'm just remembering what the Lord did. No, I'm partaking in what the Lord did. As I partake of the bread this morning, I'm partaking in what his broken body paid for, for your life and my life. We're partaking of that. And so this morning, as we get ready to partake of this bread thing, I want to invite you to just take a moment And thank him for invading your life this morning. For bringing healing to every area that you have need of this morning. Father, we do, we thank you for the kingdom of God this morning. That you came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That the kingdom of God might invade every part of our lives. I pray this morning that as we partake, that Father, you'd bring healing to people's lives. Heal sick bodies. Bring transformation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the cup and he says, this is my cup, my new covenant that I make with you. When we follow Jesus, we've come into covenant with him. And that's a covenant that can't be broken. No one can pluck you out of the Lord's hand. And as we partake this morning of the cup, it was His blood that washed us clean. It was His blood that made us a new creation. I often think about, as He was hanging on the cross, so disfigured. I mean, if you've seen The Passion of the Christ, it doesn't do justice the disfigurement that he went through. It says he was disfigured beyond recognition. You couldn't even tell he was a man anymore. And his blood that had never known sin. He wasn't a sinful man. There, there was no sin in him. He had overcome it all. That blood, that covenant he made with us, gives us the power to overcome sin. And this morning as we partake of that cup, I want you to just for a moment forgive anyone you need to forgive because He forgave you. He came into covenant with us that we might be free. Let us not hold anyone in bondage this morning. Father, this morning, we thank you for the blood. Jesus, what a price you paid for us. So broken. Your blood ran for us. And this morning we pray. And we release forgiveness for anyone that we carry odd against. We forgive those who have trespassed against us. And we receive your forgiveness, God. And we thank you for the covenant that we are in with you. In Jesus' name. We pray that your life was impacted today by the presence of God. For more information about the Equipping Church or to give online, please visit www.equippingchurch.us.